Got your Bibles with you this morning? Let me see. Now, I said that not to embarrass you because I don't bring my Bible to church either. Because we got it on a screen. Convenient. Sort of nice, isn't it? I used to ask that question every Sunday morning, and probably 90% of the people would hold their Bibles up because they brought them. Uh, but now we like conveniences. Let me ask you the next question. How many got a cell phone? Man, hands are going up. So you get your cell phone out and get your favorite Bible app out and you can follow along with me this morning if you would. Now if you're looking at ESPN, I'll never know it. I think you're reading the Bible app, right? Uh, so here we go. Father, we thank you this morning that your love never fails. We're thankful this morning that your calling never fails. We're thankful, Lord, that your hand is still outstretched. So, Lord, as we've lifted up our hand, we've met you this morning, and we felt the presence of God within our life, within our heart, and within our church. We thank you this morning that this is the day. We have rejoiced, we are glad, and therefore, Lord, we have strength to do what you ask us to do in the coming moments and in the coming days. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to spin off this morning from the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 4. I'd like to read verses 1 through 5. This is the story of Moses. And in this story, we're going to find out and ask the question, what do you have in your hand? Come on, jump up and show us. Coffee cup, yes! That, she said, I'm not going to do that. Well, you know something? You made yourself a liar. But the preacher forgives you and so does God. Coffee cup. What do you have in your hand? Exodus chapter 4, verse number 1. And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice. For they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, What is that in thine hand? And I said, or he said, a rod. And God said, cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. I think I would have too. And the Lord said unto Moses, put forth thy hand and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand and caught it. And it became a rod in his hand. Slide number two. There's good plans and there's evil plans, and there's mediocre plans. Let's talk about the evil plan. First of all, in chapter 1, verse number 8, we see that there was a problem. Problems rise up all the time, don't they? And I'm saying to you this morning, whenever a problem arises up in your life, you can take the Word of God, which is in your heart, and allow the Word of God to be that sword to come against the evil plans that come against you. The problem was this, Exodus 1.8. Now there arose a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. This new king had a new plan. What was the plan? Verse number 9. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them 
lest they multiply, and it come to pass that when there falleth out any war, they join also upon our enemies and fight against us, and so get them up out of the land. Therefore they did set over them a taskmaster to afflict them with their burdens, and they built for Pharaoh the treasure cities Python and Ramses. There was a plan. The plan had a result. Verse number 12. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. Now there's a sermon right in that. The more affliction that comes upon you by the enemy, the mightier and stronger you can become in the Lord. Because it's not by my might, it's not by my power, but it's by the Spirit of God that lives within us. Now, we know that the Spirit of God lives within us. Paul asked the Corinthian church, What? Know ye not that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost? So we know that God's Spirit lives in us when we are born again. When Jesus arose from the dead, he went where the twelve disciples were, and he said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. And they received the Spirit of God, salvation. Then a little later he said, Go and tarry in Jerusalem till you be empowered by the Spirit. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So the Spirit of God dwells within us. At salvation, our bodies become the temple of the Holy Spirit. Then a little bit later, He gives us the empowerment, the endowment, and fills us with His Spirit. So we know that the Spirit of God does live within us. We also know in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that God gives us 12 or 9, not 12, 9 spiritual gifts. We do know that he gives us nine fruits of the Spirit. But we know that where there's a plan, there can be a result. So we find out in verse number 12 that they were grieved because the children of Israel. Who was grieved? The Israel, not the Israelites, but the Egyptians. The more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. Then there was a command, verse number 15. And the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, of which the name of one was Sapphira, and came to the other Puha. And he said, when you do the office of a midwife to take the Hebrew women, see that none, or see that upon the stools, or the birth or the delivery stools, if it be a son, kill him. So a command was given to the midwives, if any male was born, they were to instantly kill them. He ruled, the ruling stood, and there was many of the Hebrew males who were killed. I guess he would have welcomed the convenience of an abortion back in those days, but there was a birth, and then they were commanded to kill them. Now, there was some also disobedience. It was called civil disobedience. There's a time when our nation may rule that we do a certain thing and it would go against our conscience or against our biblical beliefs. 
then I think it's all right for us to rise in civil disobedience. There was some civil disobedience to the command in verse number 17. But the midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men, children alive. As a result of obedience, there was a reward. Remember, There'll be no reward until there's obedience. Disobedience, no reward. Obedience, a reward. So when you teach your dog a new trick, he expects a reward. And if you fail to give him a reward, guess what? He's not going to listen to your commands anymore. So we see that as a result of their civil disobedience, They refused to kill the men babies, or the male babies. And as a result, God rewarded them. Look at verse number 21. And it came to pass because the midwives feared God that he made them houses. Or in other words, he gave them children. They had children of their own. Now, we see the birth of Moses. Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Now there went a man of the house of Levi and took a wife of the daughter of Levi, and the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him, that he was goodly child, she hid him three months. Goodly, or fair to look upon, or just plain, simple, he was a beautiful baby. Sort of like your grandchildren, right? You know, or your children. No matter what anybody else thinks, it was the most beautiful baby that was ever born. So we we find out that uh, the birth of Moses came. Now what if? Think about this for a moment. What if Moses would have been aborted? The whole Bible would change. Think about all the abortions that are happening today. What if that one who was aborted turns out to be a Moses or a Billy Graham? What if? Now the mother had a plan. Mothers always have plans. They always do. What was her plan? Chapter 2, verse number 2. Her plan was, first of all, she would not hide him any longer. Verse number two says she hid him three months. But she could not hide him any longer. She took for him an ark of bulrushes and dubbed it with slime and pitch and put the child therein, and she laid it in the flags by the river bank or by the cattails. This mother had a plan. She hid him for three months, then she took him, took him to the river, and by faith she presented him. Lord, I don't know what's going to happen next, but I present my little baby Moses to you. And he put him in that little basket and put him by in the river, and not only did she present him, but she must have committed him. Sort of like we do when we have our baby baptismal services. Lord, we thank you that you gave us this child. Now we present him or her 
back to the Lord. And you and the minister agree in a prayer and you just de dedicate him or her or commit him or her to the Lord for the Lord's safekeeping. God never fails. His promises are yea and amen. And although we may have some children who have been dedicated to the Lord, not serving the Lord today, I believe with all my heart that if by faith you committed them and gave them to the Lord, the Lord is able to bring them home again by his mercy and by his grace. Not only did the mother have a plan, but the sister, the big sister. How many got big sisters? I got a couple big sisters. They're still doing well and they're still watching over their little brother. They really are. But the sister had a plan. Verse number four. And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. Then go down to verse number seven. And then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call thee a nurse to the Hebrew woman that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. God's providence. Whatever you do and wherever you go, there might be a mission. What do you have in your hand? Moses' sister simply had a little baby brother that she loved. She wanted someone to care for him. She knew exactly who to call upon. Now, was it a coincidence that the little baby Moses cried? Look at verse number 6. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. Now, that'll touch your heart, won't it? And it touched the Pharaoh's daughter heart because the Bible says in verse number 6 that she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Was that coincidental? That Moses wept? Remember, he was a goodly or a fair to look upon child. When she opened up that basket and saw little Moses and Moses wept, the Bible says she had compassion Compassion. Now, was it coincidental that the Pharaoh's daughter went for a walk that particular morning? What if she'd have been five minutes late? Moses would have been downstream. What if she'd have been five minutes early? Moses wouldn't have been committed to the river at that point. But we do know that she went for a walk. Look at verse number five. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river. And her maidens walked along the riverside, and when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. Verse number six, was it coincidental that she had compassion? Verse number seven, was it coincidental that Moses' mother became his nurse? God has everything in order. What Moses' mother had in her hand was a baby. And she committed it to the Lord. And the Lord saw fit to put all the pieces together so that that little child could live. Now Moses made some wrong choices in his life. 
He was trained in the courts of the king. He was trained to be a leader among the people. But yet, in his heart, he still had a feeling towards his Hebrew brothers and sisters. One day, as he saw the taskmasters uh, beating and mistreating his fellow Israelites, he got angry, and he killed one. Wrong choice. Could have been a better answer, but he made a wrong choice. He took things into his own hand. His act was witnessed, and he escaped. So the first 40 years, Moses spent in Pharaoh's court. The next 40 years, he spent in the wilderness or in the desert. The last 40 years of his life, he led the children of Israel through the wilderness, but he didn't make it to the promised land. Slide number three. God called Moses, and he still calls us. Exodus chapter 3, verse number 10. Come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. Where was Moses when God called him? God said to Moses, come. I'm going to send you. I'm going to ask you to be the deliverer of my people. God calls us. And notice where God called Moses from. Moses basically was out of the will of the Lord. He was on the backside of a desert. You may find yourself on the backside of the desert, so to speak. But God's not done with you yet. God has a plan. He has a purpose for you. Things that happen in your life are not coincidental, but they're ordered of the Lord. The steps of the Lord order our steps. God wants us, as he calls us, he was where? On the backside of the desert. Verse number two, not only did God call him, but an angel. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in the flame of the fire out of the midst of the bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burnt with fire, and the bush was not consumed. So God called, the angel was there, and then God calls, verse number four. And when the Lord saw that, he turned and aside to see, and God called him. Look at chapter three, verse number four. And God called him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and Moses answers by saying, Here am I. Here am I. Three little words were enough to change the life of Moses. Three little words was enough to change the destiny of a nation. Three little words are recorded in God's holy word and it brings edification to the body of Christ as we read the scriptures about God's calling.
God starts us where we, or God calls us, I should say, where we are. Not where we have been, not where we would have liked to have been. He does not look at our past failures. He does not look at our past success. But God starts with us right where we are, right now. Now. Now faith is. Faith is now. What was the reason for Moses' calling? Verse number 7 and 8. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters and I know their sorrow. I have seen, verse number 7, I have heard, verse number 7, and I have come. To do what? To deliver them and to bring them out of captivity. Verse number 8. And I am come down to deliver them out of the land of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land into the good land and enlarge into the land flowing with milk and honey. I have seen. I have heard. God sees what you go through. Don't let the devil fool you into thinking that God's not interested in what you're going through. Don't believe that lie. If you believe that lie, you're defeated. But if you believe the uh, true part of the word, God sees. Not only does he see, but he hears. Have you ever said, God, why don't you hear my prayers? Have you ever said that? God hears. And then he comes. Now it may not be immediately. So don't be deceived. If you don't get immediate help, don't be deceived. Don't let fear come in. Don't let doubt destroy you. Because God sees and he hears. Do you suppose that God didn't hear their cries 39 years ago? They had been in bondage for many a year. Moses was so upset that his brothers and sisters were being beaten that he come to their rescue and killed one. He got so upset. So this had been going on for many, many a year. Maybe what you're going through, your affliction, your trial, has been going on many, many a year. And you're thinking, well, I guess God's not interested, or I guess i got to live with this burden the rest of my life. God can change things in a minute. God can do more for you in one second than anybody else can do for you for years. I don't know God's timing. I don't understand God's timing. But I know one thing. That God hears us and he sees us. Why? 
Look at verse number 24 of chapter 2. And the Lord heard their groanings, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God doesn't forget. He made a covenant. And God remembered his covenant. Because God heard their groanings. What is the reason for our calling? God called Moses. Notice, Moses came, then God came. Look at verse number 1 of chapter 3. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro his father, father-in-law, in the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert, and he came to the mountain of God. <laughs> he came to the mountain of God. I don't know if he realized it or not. But a few years later, he was going to go to that mountain of God and he was going to get the Ten Commandments. He came to the mountain of God. Maybe you've come to the conclusion that God really doesn't have a plan for your life. He does. Moses came when he was on the backside of the desert. He was doing his job. He was leading the flock. Why did he have a rod in his hand? Because he was a shepherd. He was just doing his occupation, so to speak. And all of a sudden, he had an encounter with God. Do you know that you can have an encounter with God, not in the church? But anywhere you are, it's wonderful to come together. We need to come together because the Bible instructs us to do so. Because that's where we find our comfort and our encouragement and our, our praying one for another. So church is very important. But you can have an encounter outside these buildings. And it's God's desire that you have an encounter with him daily. And when you come to the mountain of God or you come to that place where you worship or you come to that place where you praise Him, there might be a miracle waiting to happen. And you might have the hands. What do you have in your hands? Prayer of agreement. If any two shall agree as touching anything. In your place of occupation, you may hear somebody's afflictions and hear somebody's sorrows, hear their story. You, you hear them every day. Take a moment. Five seconds. Reach out your hand. What do you have in your hand? The power of agreement. Could we pray? Dear Jesus, you hear their sorrow, you know their afflictions. Touch them in Jesus' name. That's all I've got to say. You ain't got to pray for 45 minutes or even 45 seconds. Just do it. I've done it. I haven't done it enough. Reward people when they're at fault. We were at a restaurant the other day and we put our order in and the, the girl forgot all about us. We sat there and we sat there and finally another waitress came by and took our order. Well, the other waitress came back a little bit later and she apologized. And she said, I know you're mad at me, but I forgot your order and ignored you. 
And I said, we're not mad at you. We're going to reward you. And re re we rewarded her with a lot larger tip than normally I give. You see, there's people all around us that are hurting. And how are we going to respond to them? I have seen, I have heard. Slide number four. God gives some directions. Verse number 10, chapter 3 again. He says, now come. Therefore, and I will send the end of Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Notice, verse number 1 of chapter 3, Moses comes to the mountain of God. Verse number 8 of chapter 3, God comes. He shows up. And now, in verse number 10, he was invited by God to come. To come and lead his people out of bondage. When was he to come, verse number 10? Come now. Now. Not tomorrow. Not next week, but now. Some of you have been carrying burdens. Present your burdens to the Lord now. Do it now. Now faith is. Come now, he said. Today is the day to start. God starts right where we are. Notice verse number 10. I will send thee. Where does God desire to send us? Now Moses had some excuses, just like us. Oh, Lord, I can't do it. There's got to be someone better for the job than me. In fact, I stutter. I can't speak very well. God said, get over it. I'm going to send Aaron. Aaron will be your spokesperson. And Aaron was his spokesperson for so long, but all of a sudden we see that Aaron wasn't the main. Moses was the one who was doing the speaking to Pharaoh, asking to allow his people to go. So what was he to do? <clears throat> So I can bring my people out of bondage. Go with me to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, Jesus told us the reason why he came. And the reason why he came was to do several things. And the same purpose that Jesus had on earth, we have on earth. Jesus said, now the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Verse number 18. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, or to those who were spiritually bankrupt, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovery of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now that's our mission. Jesus said the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. God told Moses that he was going to bring Moses to a point where he could lead them, lead my people out of bondage. 
verse number 10. That's our job. The same Spirit of God that came upon Jesus comes upon us. The Spirit of God is upon me. And he's given us, I guess, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different instructions here. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he hath anointed me. God's anointed you. The minute he placed his Spirit within you at salvation, you have an anointing upon your life. What is the anointing for? The anointing is to preach or to proclaim. You're a better preacher than I am. You can reach people that I can't. Preaching isn't standing behind a podium yelling at people all morning. <laughs> I don't know why you sit there and let us yell at you. Huh? No, we don't, we don't yell at you. We encourage you. But every time you minister to someone in your place of occupation, you are preaching or ministering or proclaiming the word of the Lord. Then he says, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Do you know anybody who's brokenhearted? You might be brokenhearted yourself. And you're thinking, where's all the proclaimers that are supposed to agree with me in prayer so my broken heart would be healed? That's a good question. But I got an answer for you. Sometimes God says, if you will agree with me, if any two shall agree, Jesus, I agree with you. Doesn't necessarily mean somebody else. Jesus, I agree with you that your word says that you will take my burdens from me. Now, Jesus, I agree. A lot of broken-hearted people in our world to preach deliverance to the captives. You know anybody who's been captivated by habits and sin? A lot of people. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he hath anointed me. What about this? The recovering of sight to the blind. We still believe in divine healing. Don't be scared to pray for someone who has a need. God, one of the nine gifts of the Spirit is the gift of healing. Now we know the television evangelists, they got that special gift, don't they? If we could only get to their meeting, I might be healed. Well, you know something? God uses common, ordinary people like you and I. God can use you. And when he does, don't get puffed up about it. Don't brag. Give God the glory. And he'll use you. So there's a lot of things that happen when the Spirit of God comes upon them. To set at liberty them that are bruised. You know anybody who's been wounded? You know anybody who's been hurt by the church? You know anybody who's been bruised because... Someone on the job has gotten a promotion when they should have got the promotion. There's a lot of people that are bruised. Not only mentally, but physically. 
to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus is coming. Get ready. Don't hear that much anymore, do we? Jesus is coming. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. What is he saying? He said to Moses, come now, I will send you. Bring my people to victory. He accepted the invitation. Oh, he hesitated a little bit at first. But he said, you know something? I'm sort of willing to do what you want me to do. Speak, my Lord. Speak, my Lord. Speak, and I'll be quick to answer thee. God starts with us right where we are. Moses had a question. Look at verse number 11, chapter 3. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Who am I? I'm a nobody. I'm just someone who's been disobedient and been uh, chastised for it and sent to the backside of the desert. But notice how God answers. And he said, certainly I will be with thee. What an assurance he got. Who am I? Slide number five. Forgot which one we were on. Number five. Who is God? God answers his question in verses 13, 14, and 15. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come into the children of Israel, and should say unto them, The God of your fathers sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. Who is he? Whole list of, I am the Messiah. I am the bread of life. I am from above. I am the eternal one. No matter what blank needs to be filled, God is. There's no shortages. There's no shortage of God's mercy. There's no shortage of God's love. The Imperials used to sing years ago, years ago. <laughs> Oh, my. I am the Alpha, the Omega. I am the first and the last. Slide six. God works with us with what we have. Chapter four, again, he asked the question. So he asked the question several times, but the question is asked again. Chapter four, verse number two. What is that in your hand? And Moses said, a rod. Almost sounds like he was apologizing for the rod. What do you got in your hand? Not just a rod. I remember one time when I was pioneering a church, home missions, in Ionia, Michigan. I sort of uh, supplemented my income by driving a bus. And I took a basketball team to Grand Rapids, one particular uh, day, and as I was walking down the hallway, uh, someone said to me, and who are you? And I said, well, I'm just the bus driver. He looked at me and he said, young man, I guess I was young back then, young man, he said, you're not just the bus driver. If it wasn't for you, 
these kids wouldn't be playing basketball tonight. So don't make excuses for who you are and what you do. Moses said, well, I just got a rod, that's all. Why did he have a rod? Because he was a shepherd. What do you have in your hand? What is your occupation? Are you a shop worker? A salesperson? A housewife? A student? What about a retiree? What about a truck driver? What about a nurse? I don't know what your occupation is, but you aren't just a, you are there for a reason. God has placed you there for a reason. What do you have in your hand? You have the ability to do some wonderful things for God. God has placed his spirit within you. God's spirit came upon Moses. Back then an angel said, now we have the spirit of God within us who leads us and guides us. And the Holy Spirit gives us gifts, gifts of knowledge, gifts of power, gifts of speech. Gifts of knowledge is wisdom, knowledge, and discerning of spirits. The power of gifts are faith, healing, and miracles. The message gifts are prophecy, interpretation of tongues, and, and tongues. So God gives us gifts. He doesn't just hold those gifts to the preacher, but he gives those gifts to the salesperson the shop worker, the housewife, the student, the retiree, the truck driver. He gives gifts to all of us. So we don't have to apologize for our occupation. We don't have to just say, well, I'm just a... No, you're a child of God. And as a child of God, you have the ability to use those gifts that he has given to you. All humanity is God's creativity. All people are God's people. We are his messengers. God sees their sorrows. God hears their cry. God sees their bondage. Now God speaks to us. What do you have in your hand? You might have a rod. You might have a stone. David had a stone. He's the first stoner, by the way. Okay. And the same stoner that was the first killed that person who the stoner was against. So don't be a stoner. You might drop. All right. Uh, what about flour and oil? There's a little widow lady. And Elijah came to her and said, you know, I've just been through a famine and I've been fed by the ravens, by the brook, but God took away that gift. You know, sometimes God takes away something so they can get up and do something. So he went to the little widow lady and said, you know, make me a little cake. She said, I just got enough flour and oil to, to make one more cake and that's it. But as a result of her being obedient, that flour lasted throughout the famine. Then there was a little oil. Another widow lady. God bless the widow ladies. 
her son and only son. was going to be taken into bondage because she couldn't pay her debts. Elijah said, what do you got in your house? She said, I just got a little oil. She said, I want you to go get a bunch of vessels. Bring them in. And she started dumping that oil in there, and that, that oil never ran out. God has a way to provide for us. They were going to come and capture her only son, which, by the way, was a miracle son to begin with. But God said, no, there's a better plan. I got a miracle in store for you. Notice it happened right at the end when she was almost destitute, had nothing. Then there was the leopards. There was famine in the land. They had nothing. And one said to the other, you know, why do we sit here and, and starve to death? Let's go into the enemy's camp and perhaps they'll give us some food. As a leopard, they were ostracized from society. Everybody else was going through a famine too, but they had absolutely nothing. They had no one to stand with. Or they said, let's, let's go into the enemy's camp and see if they'll give us a little bit of food. <laughs> we can't do that. They'll kill us. One guy said, well, what's the difference if they kill us or if we starve ourselves to death? No difference, so let's go. The one guy had faith. So they went into the camp and they found the camp empty. God had sent in a bushment and all the enemy ran and there was supplies galore and they gorged themselves. Then the next day one said, well, why are we gorging ourselves when there's enough for everybody? Sometimes we forget that God provides for us so that we can share what God has given to us to help somebody else. Here's the definition of prosperity, by the way. Prosperity is. Now, if I were to have you write an answer to that, we'd have all kinds of, of answers, and, and your answers would be right, obviously. Never, never wrong, never wrong. But prosperity is God providing enough to meet your needs. Not wants. God providing enough to meet your needs and a little left over to help somebody else. That's about the best definition I've ever heard. It's not original. This was given by uh, Sister Bell, a little widow lady, when I passed her in Cadillac. She stood up one day and she, she had a word for me. And I accepted that word, and what she said was, was right on. So, what do you have in your hand, is the question. Slide number seven. There's such a thing as faith versus works. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your, what? Good works. And glorify our Father, which art in heaven. Faith works. Now we know that faith does the saving. And we're not saved because of works. But Ephesians chapter 2 verse number 10 tells us, We are his workmanship created unto good works. 
So works and faith are like Siamese twins. They go hand in hand. Slide number eight. What's in your hand? Can you pray? Yes. Can you give? Yes. Give what? Not just finances. What about giving someone forgiveness? Has someone ever offended you and you haven't got over it yet? Get over it. Forgive them. Go on living with peace and harmony in your heart and with them. What about mercy? You know, it's easy to ask for mercy. Sometimes it's a little harder to give mercy, isn't it? So what do you got in your hands? Jesus gives us a new commandment, and the new commandment is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Boy, that's a good one. Slide number nine. God gives us a new opportunity. God sees people's sorrows. He hears their cries. He knows their affliction. He knows their bondage. There's someone who needs to be brought to Christ. You know, we don't get saved just so that we can escape hell. By the way, that's a good reason to get saved. Amen? That's about the best reason I can think. You know, but God saves us so that he can help us through life. He wants to help us through life. So bring the lost to Christ. They're wondering out there. They're full of burdens and bondage. Bring them to Christ. Bring them liberty. Bring the members of your family. Bring friends to Christ. Encourage other workers. Why? Because he sees what you see. You hear the people you work with, the members of your family, the members of your community. You hear all their complaints. Listen. Yes, listen. But don't listen so long that it discourages you. Ask the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit lives within you. Give me a word. Holy Spirit, give me a word. And it might just take a little word, you know, and give him an answer, give him a solution. Moses came to the Mount of God. An angel appeared. God appeared. And Moses accepted the invitation. Old song we used to sing, Speak, my Lord, hear the Lord of harvest sweetly calling. Who will go and work? There's that word again, work for me today who will bring to me the lost and dying who can point them to the narrow way speak my Lord speak my Lord speak and I will surely answer thee speak my Lord God's speaking this morning God hears your cry he sees what you're going through. The worship team led us in a course a while back. Whom the sun sets free, he's free indeed. And one of the phrases of that song says, I am chosen, not forsaken. Speak, my Lord. Speak, my Lord. Would you stand with me, please?
God, it's our desire this morning that you speak to us. Whether we are on the backside of the desert or we're in a revival within our soul, you still speak to us. Father, I ask in Jesus' name that each one of us would make a conscientious choice to hear God speaking to us. We've come to church this morning, some out of habit, some because we had to, some because we want to. But we're here this morning, and you've seen the emotions that our heart has brought out to you. Lord, you've heard our cry. You've seen our tears. Now, Lord, I ask you in Jesus' name to speak to us. Lord, what would you have me to do? What do I have in my hands? That rod that Moses had in his hand had the power to destroy him or had the power to liberate him. When he took that rod and he threw it down and it became a snake, that was God's miracle sign that God was with him. God asked him to throw the rod down. Moses didn't say, I'm going to throw this rod down and if it becomes a snake, I'll believe in you. Have you ever tried that one? Lord, if you do this, then I'll, then I'll believe in you. I don't work that way. Moses later took that rod and he struck the water and the Red Sea parted. Woo! You talk about a victory march. In fact, when they all got to the other side, Miriam, she played that tambourine, she did a little dance, and she led the children of Israel to victory. But they didn't have victory yet. They had to go through the wilderness. They didn't pass that test very well, did they? Why? Because they murmured and complained. I don't know what you have in your hand, but be thankful for what you have in your hand. Don't complain or don't use excuses. God's provision is more than enough. El Shaddai. More than enough. And the more you begin to thank him for his provision, the more he's going to pour in. Like that widow lady who didn't have anything, but she presented, and God just filled those pots. She had enough, more than enough. She sold some of that oil, paid off her debt. She was a happy lady, but I, I know one thing, she was praising God. Speak, my Lord, speak, my Lord. God, you're speaking to us this morning, and we say thank you.
Now, Lord, even as you told Moses to come, and he did, and you called him and he said, send me, he went. Now, Lord, there is a path for us this week which we know not of. But God, you know our steps. You order our steps. And even as you ordered the Pharaoh's daughter to go down to the river at a particular time, she probably did it out of habit. But God, you knew what time she was going to be there. There's going to be things that we do this week out of habit. But there's going to be a meeting with someone who is in need. Lord, I pray that as we stretch out our hand, uh, that you would just fill not only our cup, but their cup. Guide our path this week, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Give God praise for what he's going to do with you. This week, this week, if every one of us did something, man, that could multiply, couldn't it? And I've got confidence that each one of us are going to do something. What do you got in your hand? What's your occupation? Go there knowing that God has placed you there. And just say, God, here I am, send me. And he's going to send someone your way. May the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. And give you peace, both now and forevermore. In Jesus' name.